Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for leading us in that. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Good morning, New Life Community Church. Happy Sunday to you all, beloved. All right. So, as you heard, last weekend we were up in the mountains for a retreat with the church family from Hope Church in East L.A. and Epicenter West L.A., it was a great time where we learned about the life of Joseph and how God can show us favor even through pain, even through painful circumstances, even of our family, uh, that he can transform our selfish dreams into God-sized dreams that impact so many more than just ourselves. So it was a blessed time. We also had seven people be baptized that weekend too, so they did it. It's awesome. They did it like Jesus style, like in a lake, right? So we're so excited to hear their testimonies. So we're going to get ready to hear their testimonies. They're preparing them. So next month we're going to hear their testimonies. But speaking of the baptism, it happened up at a lake, right? Across the way from our campground, right, to another one, right? And some people are like, oh, yes, because some people know. Now, what you may or may not know, it was a mission to get to that lake. My goodness, nobody knew. We thought it was just going to be a nice little walk, you know, across the way. But first off, not everyone had a map, right? And even those who had a map, like me, were confused by the direction. I'm like, what is, where is that road right there, right? And um, it, it didn't say on the map, for example, don't take the main bridge that's on the map because it was shut down because, like, a flood almost destroyed it. But, you know... Uh, yeah, I got, I, I was leading two girls. Uh, I got a group in trouble because we walked across that bridge and we're like, whoa, why is it shaking? Oh, okay. And then like, as we're going to the edge, the, the lady comes up in her golf cart. She's like, you're not supposed to be on the bridge. I'm like, ah, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. You know? Uh, and some people just went in the opposite direction, like the longest path. Uh, so needless to say, it took some people what was supposed to be a 15-minute walk, apparently, uh, almost an hour to get to that lake. So we're like, oh, could we be baptized again just to be in that lake, you know? Uh, why did I share that? I share this with you because it really matters who's leading the way. It matters. <laughs> in life, we are either going to be led by the Spirit of God or... We're going to be led by our broken ways. And today, we're going to learn about how do we be led by the Spirit of God, okay? So please stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word. We are reading from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 through 26. Um, okay. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out. You'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
The acts of the flesh, of the sinful nature, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, it's like getting drunk and stuff. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage or outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions or cliques, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified or put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Oh, God, sometimes it challenges us, but Father, God, that, you're speaking to us, Lord. Help us to be able to receive that from you. Give us understanding. Look, I don't know what kind of weeks we're all coming in, even the mornings that we're coming in from, but Father God, we are here. And Father God, I pray, Lord God, just every kind of concern, everything that weighs on us, anything that might potentially distract us, we just put in your hand right now. You know about it, you can handle it. So help us now to be fully present to you, not just in body, but in mind and heart and spirit to you, to really hear what you're saying to us. Take it into our hearts and know how to make it a part of our lives. Help us, Lord God. We ask for the fullness of your spirit. You would lead us. Help us to stay in step with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So first off, I, I do want to give some credit to Pastor Jesus. Uh, Pastor Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Yes, he is. Most of all to Pastor Jesus, right? Uh, for, but to Pastor Chris uh, for, uh, for the writing that's kind of inspired a lot of this message. Now, if you've been with us for the past many months, we've been going and learning through a series about the Spirit of God, about how the Spirit of God pursues us. And we've been learning, hey, it does some work within us. And God's given us so many different ways uh, to walk into that, into that fuller life, to be guided by his spirit, to let his spirit lead. So that's musical worship, that's a way, we talked about that, Thomas talked about that. A prayer, definitely a way for us to kind of get in step with the spirit. Tongues, weirds people out, but like that's a way we can't even understand. Solitude, just getting some solitude, some time, just a quiet, uh, alone. God can meet us there. Inner healing, God wants to heal us. And even practicing the presence of Jesus, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. And at the retreat, we learned that Joseph, he stood out. People, they didn't even worship God, uh, knew that there was something different about Joseph. And they said, there's no one else like him that it seems that the spirit of God, the living God is in him. He's so different. He's able to forgive his family from deep, deep trauma right, and lead in, in such incredible ways because the Spirit of God in him. Now, you know, that's not just in the Bible. The Spirit of Jesus, 
God says, Jesus himself says, is a gift to us that lives inside of us too. And that it is there so we can be encouraged, comforted, strengthened. But you know, the spirit of Jesus does even more than that. Not just leading us. The spirit of Jesus actually changes us, taps into the core of our being. It transforms us. Or as the old school preachers would say, it sanctifies or regenerates us. Regenerate. Regenerate. That sounds like a cool sci-fi movie title, right? What is that? What does regenerate mean? Okay, biologically, it means if you're regrowing or replacing a lost or injured tissue or body part, right? But in the spiritual sense, it means that you're reborn into a new spiritual nature with new instincts and reactions, new passions and desires. That's some serious power that could change from deep within. So we're going to talk about that. Do you believe that the spirit of Jesus can actually fundamentally change you? The most consistent, insistent lie that the devil whispers into our ear is that you'll always be like this. You always think like this. You will always act like this. You'll always feel like this. Let's silence that lie and hear the truth from the one who created us and who promises to give us his spirit to regenerate us. Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. We're going to get into it. All right. Taking on my jacket. Get in. We're diving in. So in verse 14 through 18, in that first section, verse 14 through 18. Oh, thank you. My beautiful wife, Dee. Right. Verse 14 through 18, that section shows us, hey, this is what's actually happening. It gives us a worldview of who we are, not just what somebody else tells us. What is God saying who we are? What's going on inside of us? This passage in Galatians 5, it's bookended or it's like a sandwich of love because it starts by a call to love each other. In verse 14, where it starts off, where it read, it says, if you want to sum up the entire law, the entire Bible, by one command, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's the heart of it. And then it ends in verse 26 about a call not to be conceited, you know. Think of yourself better than anyone else. Or provoking others to anger or being envious of each other. So that's going to be an essential piece of our regeneration process, right, of loving one another. And we'll come back to this. Now, verse 16, into those sections right there, verse 16, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is meant to guide our lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature or the flesh craves. And for a few verses, Paul teaches us how the Spirit of God is at war with our sinful nature. Any of you who've tried to follow Jesus, you know there's like a war going on. There's a battle going on inside of you. Like, oh, I know I want to do this, but then there's this, you know, and you feel that tension. Hey, God is saying, that's because the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. It's battling inside with kind of some of the old ways within us. So these verses are massively important for us to understand uh, that what kind of heart we want to be regenerated into. What kind of character of Jesus we want to be regenerated into. So these verses, they give us a clear worldview that we need to live in. 
The worldview of the scriptures is that we are broken without God. We're broken without God. We're born with a sinful nature on one hand, but we're also, on the other hand, born in the image of God with a capacity for good. This biblical worldview, if we think about it, it goes against the common worldview that's happening right now is it's different than that of our larger culture. The common worldview is that actually in our core, we're all good. We're all good. When we act out in bad or evil ways, you know, that's not our nature. That's just us, you know, having a bad day. Or, you know, we grew up in a bad way. So, you know, but inside, we're all good. Now, we know that, hey, there are some bad things that we can have bad days, right? We can have things that we've been through, so we do not deny that. That is absolutely true. But the truth is the trauma, the stress that we might experience, that's triggering something that was already there. What is that? That is the sinful nature, okay? It has something to work with. So, oh, no, I'm saying we are a lot more complicated than we want to admit because we're born with natural evil desires, but also natural desires that are of God. As followers of Jesus, we trust that, okay, I don't determine for myself, but God determines for myself what those are, because he made me, right? So we're thinking, and we know as followers of Jesus that God's word is that authority to determine what is the good, what is the bad. It helps us, guides us through that. And if you look at Scripture, once again, uh, generally, if you look at Scripture, it shows us if there's desires in me that lead to the thriving of life, that helps other people, that's probably of God. But if there's desires in me that are destructive to myself, to others, that's probably not of God. That is probably the sinful nature. Does that make sense? Tracking with me? Okay, but what's clear in this passage is that Right? This isn't some casual thing. Oh, that's a nice idea, Dave. It's not just some casual issue. There's a war happening right now, even within us right now. Not even just the wars outside of us. There's wars happening inside of us right now. So to be casual and say, you know what? What's so bad about it? You know, it's a natural desire. That can lead you to a very dangerous place because it could result in a destructive life both now and eternally. According to Paul, if we are led by our sinful desires, he says, anyone living that sort of life, where is it going to lead? That will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because think about it, not everything that we desire is good for us. Like I may want to eat a whole tub of ice cream, but just because I want it doesn't mean it's all good, right? Right? Not everything that we may desire may be good for us or for others in the long term. And sure, you know we're free in America, right? America, right? Sure, you can technically do whatever you want, technically. But not everything is guaranteed to be beneficial. Does that make sense? Right? You can do whatever you want, technically, but not everything's beneficial. Okay, what do we do with that? Now we're in the next section, verse 19 through 20. Like, really? Well, let's look at that. Verse 19 through 20 is an encouragement for us to follow Jesus in grace instead of following our desires in sin. If you look at that list, I don't know, when we were reading that list of broken, sinful desires, 
some of the some of the things I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility or hatred, quarreling, fighting, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's what it says in the new uh, L- NLT translation. If you look at that list, like, that's like an exhausting sort of list. But, you know, it's, it's not even a full list. You notice how he said, you know, and other sins like these. It's like, there's more? Oh, my gosh, you know. There's so much. The first thing we learn is many people in today, they criticize followers of Jesus, especially for the sexual stuff. Uh, it's too traditional. It's too oppressive. You know, you Christians, you don't let people live out their natural sexual desires. And that's all they focus on. But when you look at that list, you realize that fundamental to following Jesus is dying to a lot of our natural sinful desires that are selfish and living into God's supernatural desires, right? Laying down our sinful desires and taking up God's supernatural desires. For example, right, sex. God made sex to be good. He made that. Did you know that? Isn't that cool? Like God's like super, he knows what pleasure is about. He's awesome. He knows what beauty is about. He made it, right? So sex is made to be good. But what happens is when we let that kind of lead our lives and you have no self-control with that sexual desire, it could be very destructive. If that sexual, is, is it whatever I feel, whatever I see, like, that's it, right? There's, there's some good natural boundaries around that sexual desire, right? Or else we'd just be going crazy all the time, right? We can't live like that. It isn't only our sexual desires, our selfish sexual desires that are destructive. Although clearly, you know, that's part of it. Like some of us have experienced the brokenness of what that is. But it's also, for example, our natural inclinations to anger. To worship things other than God, like worship music. And you're like, oh, that's weird. But then like you go to football games, people are worshiping, right? So we have those kind of tendencies. We have natural inclinations to greed. Let me get more from me and my family. Uh, to competitiveness, to comparison, to self-focus. Those things raging out of control could be very dis- uh, destructive. Following Jesus isn't for people who think, you know, they are God. If, if we're in that place, it's not going to work for us. Because uh, then they don't feel they need to be regenerated. If you think that Jesus is just about, you know, he accepts everything. Like you just believe in your head about God and that's it. He just put your, puts a stamp of approval for everything all about you. Then, if that's how we think, you're not following Jesus. You're still worshiping yourself. Following Jesus is a lifelong regeneration effort. This is why we got to emphasize grace. What grace means is favor, right? Favor or blessing that we don't deserve. We need to live in that because I'm sure most of you, uh, if you're honest, are feeling something as I'm talking, sort of maybe something like, oh, this is hard. This is tough. 
Is God mad at me? He's trying to punish me? I mean, I struggle with outbursts of anger. Does that mean I will not inherit the kingdom of God? Paul isn't talking about perfection here. Hope you caught that. He's talking about a lifelong journey. Keep in step with the Spirit. When you follow the desires of your flesh or your sinful nature, what that means is when you decide one particular desire is going to be your guide. Like it's going to be your leader. I'm going to worship this desire. Okay, what, what does that sound like? It's, it's like when you hear, hey, man, that's just who I am. Deal with it. Then you're like, oh, okay, that's going to lead your life. It doesn't matter how other people feel. So, for example, I have a sexual desire. I'm just going to let that lead me. Whatever that is, that's going to show me the way. If you're in that place, then you're clearly not following Jesus. Does that make sense? Pastor Chris, he mentioned a couple weeks ago, some men are now saying, man, I'm the alpha male. If everybody's the alpha male, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> this statement that says, you know, I'm going to follow the desire to be self-defocused, to always be right, to be the leader all the time. That's just not how life works with other human beings. Right? And maybe some of you are like, I'm a diva. That's the same thing. Nobody's going to mess with me. I will get my revenge. That is following a particular desire as your guide and leader. If you are in that place in your heart, you're not following Jesus. But if you're following Jesus, what does that mean? That means daily putting to death those desires, those selfish desires of your sinful nature. And being filled up with the Spirit. Then you'll live in that constant grace. No, man, I don't deserve this, but God has given me blessing and forgiveness of Jesus. So... When you give in to your sinful nature, uh, all of us have, right? Otherwise, that list would make no sense to us. If we have followed a part of our sinful nature, what can we do? We just own up to it. We say, yeah, yeah, I'm broken. And if you repent, or that means turn around, then you're restored and strengthened in grace to get back in to follow Jesus. So where we get tripped up in is how long it takes for regeneration to happen, right? We decide we're going to, for example, not be self-focused. And then we try, and a year later, I'm like, why am I still so self-focused? <laughs> and we get smacked in the mouth by how hard it is to change. Because there's something deep inside our sinful nature, inside of us. We start on the journey and then realize, dang, Scripture was right. This is a war. And it gets hard to keep falling short, right? It gets hard to keep dying to those natural desires every day. So often we do maybe one of these three things. One, maybe we hide that part of our sinful nature from people. Put on that nice little face, come to church, put on that smile, right? And then try to hide it uh, from ourselves, from others, fake it till we make it, ignoring it when it comes up and just, okay, just move on, just move on. That might be one way. A second way uh, that I've experienced a, a lot of, my, yeah, my spiritual family, we get buried in shame. We get buried in shame. It's not just, hey, I did a bad thing. I am terrible and bad. I'm always going to be like this. This shame and losing confidence and security, which creates a whole list of other consequences. Or third, 
we just decide, this fight is too, we just decide to stop fighting and just justify our sins. Like, hey, you know, this is okay. It's all right, right? And then we start creating in our minds ways to justify how acting out is good. Acting out on those desires are good. But if you've done any of those things, you know none of that leads to true life. The truth is we can't regenerate with just ourselves, <laughs> with just our own effort and religious activities even, or our just willpower. That's not how we're regenerated. It's a supernatural journey. We need the spirit of God inside us to regenerate us. If you don't have the spirit of God, there's not going to be change. For Jesus to truly be our identity, there is a constant state of humility, uh, of recognizing our brokenness. We don't stay there, but we recognize, we see ourselves. That's why the first step in the 12-step program, so many of us have been through recovery and different addictions. But you've broken out of that because the first step in the 12-step is to recognize we are powerless over whatever that is, over our sinful nature, without a power higher than ourselves. That is God. So a little bit of my story. I've shared before how much, for so much of my life, uh, I've struggled with desires of lust. Uh, just desiring after women and their bodies, right? It is a very common journey for young adult Christians to struggle with kind of those sexual desires. But it took me until my mid-30s before I could say that the spirit of Jesus in me was consistently stronger than my lustful desires and acting out in pornography. Many times when I was fatigued from the war, tired of failing, tired of how impossible it seemed, I was beginning to believe the lie of Satan that I'd always have to live with this in my life. But when I realized that I might lose my marriage, my dreams, being a minister, I knew that what I was doing, it wasn't working. I just had to admit that. I had to admit I really needed help, that I couldn't do this by myself. That's not bad. That's good. That's for my health. Getting out of a lie. I had to give myself to a community of recovery. Other people with that humility and recognition, hey, I, we all need help. That's why I love being around a recovery community because there is no kind of, hey, I'm better than you sort of thing. There is humility in that space. So you could come in, you could pour out all your stuff, and they, they, nobody can judge you in that room because they're like, yep, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's our journey too, right? And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm here with some real people here. But what has helped me the most of all is surrender to God. Now, surrender, we think of like in a battle, surrender is like you wave white flag and you're like giving yourself over to the enemy. Okay, it, it matters who you surrender to. If you surrender to God, what is he going to do with your life? If you let him lead it. It means my desires are not going to lead me anymore. <laughs> They're not going to lead my life. But I'm letting the spirit of God lead me. That's what surrender means. So now when the lustful desires come up, I see somebody on the street, my mind starts going in a certain direction. I say, God, I'm powerless over this desire without you. I don't want it. I surrender to you. You lead me. Usually goes away. 
But there are times when even that is not enough, and I'm still like, why is this that desire still here? Then I ask God, God, what's behind that desire? What do I think I'm going to get from this? What is it that I, I want? And I try to go to God, God, help me to find that in you. Help me to find that in you. And usually that cuts it out at the root. So because of that, I've been sober from hardcore porn for eight and a half years now. Going on nine. But obviously, if you spend any time with me, G knows, you know, I'm not perfect. Our sinful nature is persistent. It just gets creative. Now, another sinful desire is showing up its ugly head in me. That is outbursts of anger. Um, you might not think about that of me, but for much of my life, I consider myself, I'm a pretty chill person, right? I'm a patient person. And then I had kids. <laughs> uh, your parents understand. I love my children, but nothing has brought out shocking levels of anger that I'm like, whoa, what is this? Is my dad coming out or something? Like, within me, they're my children. And when I'm extra stressed, it even shows up in control in unhealthy ways with my coworkers. It leaks out. Again, I'm humbled and reminded I am powerless over my desire, often for control, for things to go my way. I can't get over that without God. I need God's supernatural patience. Super. Anyone need supernatural patience? Not the regular kind of patience like, oh, my gosh. Some people know what I'm talking about. Some people just press your buttons, you know. Uh, Brother Joe Ewan says, oh, you know, in every circle, God brings grace growers. Uh, people that will test your patience and your grace. They just, God puts them there to just grow you in grace. <laughs> so you may have some grace growers in your life that God's put there to, ooh, make you realize you can't do it. You can't do it without me. <laughs> and that's definitely, it's no wonder, even though in that list of fruit of the Spirit, patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So now we're going to bring it home. In verse 22, to the rest, loving people being essential to be regenerated. The final essential piece of regeneration equation is a commitment to love each other. Just like you can't be re regenerated without the spirit of Jesus, you also can't be regenerated without a commitment to deep relationship with others. You know, I cannot be fully regenerated without you. Did you know that? I, I need you. That's the way God made it. Because that's where we need to learn how to love each other with real people. Just, in, and if you look at this, did you notice something in the list of the fruits of the spirit? I'm just going to read it again. You notice something about all these fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're all qualities that you measure in relationship with others. How could you be patient? You got nobody to be patient with. How can you love with nobody to love? How can you have joy with no one to share that with? You need that in relationship with others. 
so those are the qualities of living in the Spirit. Meaning, we can't know if we're growing in the Spirit fully and out of our sinful nature if we're going to be independent. Superficial people who hold excessive boundaries to keep people out. That is not going to be the way to grow. We can't grow in the Spirit if we're only in our prayer closets. God can meet us there, but he's made it, so it's like, that's not, that's not the full piece. And here's where the teaching brings our vertical relationship with Jesus, connects it to our horizontal relationships with each other. Just look at the people right next to you. Mm. Right? You're going to help me grow. They are both essential to be transformed out of our sinful nature into the likeness of Jesus. So those of you who are at the retreat uh, saw Pastor Chris partnering with Pastor Enrique in the preaching and the leading, the shake and bake. They grew up in totally different places, right? Like Chris, the white guy from Arizona, and Enrique, right, brown guy from East L.A. Very different, right? What are they doing? What are they doing loving each other? I've learned, and, you know, Chris has been honest about this. I've learned that that, that friendship that you see right there, that, that power that you saw, that came out of a 15-year commitment of friendship. Chris and Enrique, like I said, are very different. They come, obviously, from very different ethnic backgrounds. Their family of origin stories are different as they come. They have different hobbies, different areas of brokenness. Uh, it has not, it looks like it, but it has not been an easy friendship. They've had to work through conflict numerous times. Both of them in different seasons thought, you know, maybe this can't work. Maybe we can't be friends. But Jesus keeps pressing both of them to respond to their sinful nature with the Spirit. So nat in natural circumstances, they shouldn't be friends. But supernaturally, as they relied on the Spirit, they started working things out. They had honest conversations. They apologized to each other. They forgave each other. There were times when uh, both of them are ministered, tired from a full day of ministry, but they still had to choose to absorb the frustrations and the sadness of the other person, what they brought. Like they needed that. They chose to get to know each other's families. They asked for patience for each other when the other was hard to work with. And they will keep doing that because they're still very different. But after 15 years, you can tell that they appreciate each other. Something deeper has formed. They have much longer patience with each other. They honor each other more frequently. They tell each other that they need each other. They cheer each other on. That is a fruit of the Spirit in them. I'd like to call up the worship team. So I'd like us to reflect whether it's people who are very similar to you or very different to you, consider that loving your neighbor as yourself is the summary of the whole law. You will always find more of the spirit of Jesus when you worship and pray, yes. But there's also an aspect of the spirit that you cannot find unless you press in with each other. 
unless you go into deeper commitment and love for the people of Jesus, even the grace grows. Especially your spiritual family. If you keep excessive boundaries from people, you're keeping excessive boundaries from Jesus. I'll say that again. If you are keeping excessive boundaries from people, you may be putting an excessive boundary from Jesus. If you are inconsistent with people, you are inconsistent with Jesus. If you put your own production over people, then you put production over Jesus. If you put your own entertainment and your comfort over loving people, then you're putting those things over Jesus. If you want God to dream this dream through you, which fundamentally will be about regenerating you into the likeness of God, then you will commit deeply to win the war between the sinful nature and the spirit as you grow with people. I invite you to kind of stand up if you're able to just respond. If there's anything kind of pricking you like, oh, that's me, consider that's the spirit of God talking to you. Where you feel a little battle, don't be discouraged. If the fact that there's a battle means that the spirit is in you. If you're just like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, then okay, maybe there's not a battle. You need the Spirit. But if you're tricked by anything, consider that maybe the Lord kind of speaking to you, pressing certain things for you. As I was uh, preparing this word, I just sensed, you know, and I might be wrong, but I just sensed uh, there's some people who have never, you know about Jesus, but you've never, of your own choice, given the keys of your life to Jesus. You never let him lead. You know about Jesus. Jesus, you're cool. But you have not given him the keys to your life. If that's you and you are tired of the battle, you're tired of doing it yourself, it's not working, it's not bad to admit, hey, God, I need you. I was made for you. So if that speaks to anyone in this place, where you have never had an experience of being able to just give God the keys of your life, I invite you to just put your hand over your heart right now. And I'm just going to pray for you. And maybe some of you, you have experienced that before. So just remember uh, this prayer. This is what we're, we're stepping into. All right? So once again, if you've never in your life uh, just given God the keys to your life to let him drive. Just put a hand over your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. You know everything about us, but you still haven't given up on us. How good you are. How good you are. But we're in this battle, Lord. There's some desires in us. We don't want no more. They don't help us. They're hurting us. They're hurting our family. We don't want that no more. And we say to you, Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. I'm not going to lie to you because you already know. But I don't want that no more. I want your spirit to lead me. Jesus, just as you died for those sins, 
I don't need to go back to those no more. Lord God, you rose from the grave. You've given us new life. You regenerated your own life. Regenerate me. I want to give you the keys to my life, my family, my work, my finances, my pain. Whatever it is, I give it to you. I want you to not just be the savior, but the leader of my life. I need your spirit to lead me. I'm done leading. I, I want to walk in your way because you lead me into the fullness of who I am meant to be. Thank you, Jesus. I receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Receive that. Amen. Now, uh, I'm going to challenge some of you. Some of y'all didn't know this, but uh, one of the things that we've been challenged into in the spirit is sometimes the Lord will kind of give us an impression, give us a heart for somebody. Right? And you're like, well, what is this? Hey, if it's in love for others, take a risk, and I want you to go up and offer to pray for them. You may not know them, but nobody I pray for here in this church are like, get away from me, don't, don't pray for me. They're like, yeah, all right, I might not know you, it's weird, but like, yeah, I'm going to receive the prayer, right? We'll be a fool to uh, reject free prayer. <laughs> so uh, basically, definitely any, any, any of our leaders, but if you sense just kind of, hey, my heart's going really going out to this person right now, I, I just want to pray for them, I want to bless them. Go for it. Do that. Let the Spirit work in you to bless others. Amen? All right.